You're clean, aren't you? Except for your tower. You're a tower junkie, Roland. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King with an occasional focus on his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series. We discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in Palaver episodes and review the books and comic series in Kef episodes. We also discuss non-Tower King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about all things that serve the King. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com and follow us on every level of social media at Tower Junkies Pod. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Hurt, and with me today, as usual, is Tiny. How's it going, Tiny? Good, man. Good, good. Are you excited for some Tower Junkies action tonight? Always, bro. Yes. And what are we going to be doing today on the podcast, Tiny? We will be reviewing Stephen King's novel, Revival. Yes. Which came out last year, 2019? No, no. Revival came out in, like, 2008. Fuck, really? Uh, yeah. Let me actually verify that because I am woefully unprepared for this episode, which is a great thing to say on a podcast where... <laughs> a huge King fan. Yeah. I don't know when his books come out, though. <laughs> <laughs> you sure it was like 1992? I mean, I feel like... I, don't know. I think it was like 1976. <laughs> uh, you know, um, Damn. Yeah. Oh, it's been... Well, maybe not 2008. I don't know. Oh, yeah, okay. 2014. It was 2014. Nice. I thought it was a 20-teens. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I'm so glad that I took the time to load this up, because we do have Stephen King news. <laughs> <laughs> um, pretty big Stephen King news, so that's, that's good. Um, oh, are you aware of this news? That's the question that I want to pose to Mr. Tiny. Maybe not. You would almost have to... Be. Well, I have to know what the news is to know if I'm aware of it. You would have to. <laughs> okay, so I've stalled enough. I've got because I was bringing up uh, uh, something for later in the episode. Um, okay, so yeah, uh, so yeah, today on the show we're going to be reviewing Revival for the 2014 novel from Stephen King. Uh, super excited to talk to you about that, Tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but first we've got some Stephen King news and maybe a check-in um do you have any check-ins uh still reading alexander hamilton by ron chernow okay so freaking long do you have uh, any stephen king check-ins i don't okay <laughs> um what is your favorite rap battle so far is it, uh, like from the the from the play no from the book <laughs> um, uh you know like where he like he wants to like keep him out of war with france oh yeah well you know um, <laughs> yeah i don't know um, yeah yeah i've, I've got nothing <laughs> uh how is it going though by the way it's good we got so much fucking detail it's yeah. crazy <laughs> i have five hours left oh wow okay, yeah closing in out of 36 wow <laughs> yeah Wow, what are you listening to next? Misery? I don't know. Probably Misery, I think. Good. Then we can do Misery. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, we could <laughs> we can review Misery or we can commiserate yeah, yeah. on it. Be in Misery. Um, yeah. Um, and then we also <laughs> need to find time to watch and review the stand the series. Mini or 90s mini series. Yes. To bank. Um, Trizzles. Still waiting for those, for that. 
2020 announcement. I know. Just really, uh... They finished it, right? They filmed it. I, I don't know if they still have posts to do. But I would think they'd be able to do the posts. Well, a lot of post-production companies were shutting down. Okay. Of um, I guess, I don't know, maybe you can't do that remotely. Yeah... But also, they would have said something. Yeah. So, I don't know. Because, um, like, TV is huge right now because people are home. You know? Right. They can't go out and watch movies, so they're yeah. staying home and watching shit. So. Well, and also, CBS All Access has kind of been dragging their feet anyway because, like, they haven't renewed the Twilight Zone yet. Yeah. Um, which has me a little anxious because I really want them to re- renew the Twilight Zone for season three. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, the thing I keep thinking is that um, the Twilight Zone Twitter account is still posting so like they're still paying people for social media for to do post social media for the show mm. and so they still have people on the payroll for the twilight zone yeah um and then i say that and then uh i remember that when uh um glenn glenn mazara glenn mazara wow why i'm <laughs> wow I remember that Glenn Mazzara had tweeted about writing scripts and stuff, and I was like, oh, that must mean that Amazon ordered more scripts for The Dark Tower. Uh, and we all know how that went. I guess I do sort of have a Stephen King check-in. Okay. I listened to the King cast episode yes. uh, with um, Elijah Wood. Yes. About Misery. Yep. Man, I just... A lot, like I knew I liked Elijah Wood as an mm-hmm. actor. I didn't have much of a, a picture of him as a person. Right. But he was just like so laid back and candid. Like this just it felt like such a genuine conversation. Yes. That guy is awesome. He like I could listen to those three guys talk yes. about anything for hours. I know, right? And like I okay. I listen so I um sometimes on occasion, on a Saturday morn, I <laughs> go to uh I will go to Dunkin' Donuts. Mm-hmm. And get a an iced coffee, and sometimes a breakfast sandwich, or sometimes maybe a couple donuts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll just kind of sit in my car and uh, eat and drink and listen to podcasts and audiobooks. Right. Um. So I did that, but like, um, I parked in a movie theater parking lot because I had to put in the order for the app for for it and everything. Right. And I just kind of sat there and I was listening to. It. I was like, this is so engaging and so good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so he's just such a like an intelligent, articulate person, yes. and like a total like fan. Yes, things just it, so down to earth. He is. Um, Mike and I talked about this after he listened to that episode of Kingcast, but Elijah Wood is someone who like I respect a lot because he's someone who made who was in the industry and made a huge just like. Uh, a huge amount of money, presumably, from Lord of the Rings. Right. Had, like, keys to the kingdom of the industry and chose to go the route of his passion, which is genre films and horror movies. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's been in horror movies. He's produced horror movies. He started a production company, I think. The one that brought in, uh, um, brought out, uh, came, came out with uh, Color Out of Space. Mm. Um and just like it's just it's insane. Just I I love that. I respect the hell out of him. So yeah, totally. Yep. Um. So yeah, 
So that's cool. That's, that's good. Yeah, I loved the episode, and nice. uh, it made me want to read the book and watch the movie again. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, we will do that soon. Ride those King Cast coattails. <laughs> um, so uh, it was actually really exciting. I have somewhat of a. We should just change this to the King Cast podcast. Um, <laughs> so Eric Vespi, one of the hosts of that, tweeted that he uh, had just gotten off the phone. Presumably for like a long interview that he that he did with the Duffer Brothers from Stranger Things. Oh, nice! And uh, someone said like, "Oh, are they going to be on the King Cast?" Um, and like when I saw that, I was like, "That just clicked with me." Like oh. that would be really cool to just hear them just talk about the influence of King on their work. Yeah. Um, because I mean, <laughs> Stranger Things is Stephen King essentially. Oh, totally. Um, and then so yeah, so uh, Eric Vespi responded to that guy and said. Um, I pitched it. We'll see. <laughs> and so, yeah. I hope that happens. Me too. Nice. Yeah. So that's my kind of check-in, I guess. I don't really have much else cool. in way of check-ins. Um, I don't remember if we recorded an episode of Tower Junkies since this happened, but you were a guest on my solo podcast anthology. Um, yeah. We talked about Seven Days in May. We did. Yeah. How was that experience? That was great. I really nice. dug that movie. Nice. Me too. Yeah. 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 And it was uh, it was exciting to uh, to have you on my other show. Yes. Uh, my my one show that's not your show also. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, um, oh, and uh, kind of in the same vein, I was a guest on the Spark of Madness podcast uh, to talk about Blast from the Past, the uh, oh, yeah. 90s Brendan Fraser and Alicia Silverstone It's a great movie. It's such a great movie, and that, that, that was a lot of fun to chat with those guys. So check that out at Spark of Madness. Um, I'll put a link in everything in the show notes. Um, there is added incentive that it is available on the YouTube. So you can see my face. But it is covered by a giant microphone <laughs> that I had. Uh, not intentional. Just It's just how my uh, mic stand is and everything. So. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So check that out. Uh, Spark of Badness. It was a lot of fun. And I hope you guys check that out. So Stephen King news, though, Tiny. Yes. Did you hear the news that I have not revealed to you yet? I, I, I don't know. Okay. I have to know what the news is. <laughs> March 2nd, 2021, a new novel from Stephen King. Ooh. Oh, have you not heard about this? No. Okay, cool. So um, it's called Later. Um, it is a hard case crime book. So like the Colorado Kid was released in that and uh, Joyland was the was okay. big one of that. So it's like kind of a, I don't know, presumably going to be a smaller kind of paperback. So Gotcha. Um, I'll just read the description from stephenking.com. Sometimes growing up means facing your demons. The son of a struggling single mother, Jamie Conklin, just once an ordinary childhood. But Jamie is no ordinary child. Born with an unnatural ability his mom urges him to keep secret, Jamie can see that no one else can see and learn... What? What? Oh, okay. (laughs) Jamie can see what no one else can see and learn what no one else can learn. But the cost of using this ability is higher than Jamie can imagine, as he discovers when an NYPD detective draws him into the pursuit of a killer who has threatened to strike from beyond the grave. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Stephen King commented about it, saying that, uh, I love the hard case format. Um, in this story, combining a boy who sees beyond our world and strong elements of crime and suspense seemed a perfect fit. 
Um, so yeah, so cool. Uh, yeah, so it goes on to say that the press release goes on to say that later will be published initially as a paperback original featuring an original cover painting by Paul Mann. This edition will be followed by a limited edition, edition hardcover that will feature two new cover painting, paintings by uh, award-winning artist Gregory Manchess, one for later itself and one for a fictitious novel within the novel that features prominently in the plot. Hmm. Um, an ebook edition of later will also be available. So I wonder if they'll do an audiobook um, at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. I'm not, I haven't uh, read... Colorado Kid or Joyland, so... Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Joyland would be fun to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember... <laughs> that was fun. I read that. It's a really good, like, coming-of-age story at, at its core. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's... <laughs> uh, it was... The, the main character is this teenager who is working a summer job at an amusement at an amusement park and it's the summer after he uh just got dumped <laughs> and i read it the like the week after uh i had broken things off with someone that i was dating for a little while um uh, okay. so that was a really interesting kind of confluence of events <laughs> um yeah anyway uh yeah so that's coming out march 2nd 2021 i think okay Always good news. Um, yeah. So, uh, no other news or check-ins, really. Um, yeah, not for me. Do you want to go into our review of Revival? Yes, sir. All right. So, we are going to review Revival. Uh, so, as we normally do, we'll do a spoiler or a non-spoiler and then a spoiler review. So, courtesy of StephenKing.com, Revival, if I can get it to load properly... Um, was published in November of 2014, and here's a synopsis from StephenKing.com. A dark and electrifying novel about addiction, fanaticism, and what might exist on the other side of life. In a small New England town over half a century ago, a shadow falls over a small boy playing with his toy soldiers. Jamie Morton looks up to see a striking man, the new minister Charles Jacobs, along with his beautiful wife, will transform the local church. The men and boys are all a bit in love with Mrs. Jacobs. The women and girls feel the same way about... Uh, Reverend Jacobs, including Jamie's mother and beloved sister, Claire. With Jamie, the Reverend shares a deeper a deeper bond based on a secret obsession. When tragedy strikes the Jacobs family, this charismatic preacher curses God, mocks all religious belief, and is banished from the shocked town. Uh, Jamie has demons of his own, wed to his guitar from the age of 13. He plays in bands across the country, living the nomadic lifestyle of bar, band, rock, and roll <laughs> while fleeing from his family's horrific loss. I'm going to stop reading it. <laughs> Very long-winded. <laughs> it is. Um, and I know that I had notes on here because <laughs> um, there were references that I wanted to make. So anyway, Tiny, it was announced um, some months ago uh, that... Um, Mr. Mike Flanagan was working on adapting Revival. So mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the reasons why we read it uh, so recently. Um, so, Tiny, how did you feel in non-spoiler terms about Revival? And before that, actually, uh, what was your relationship to Revival beforehand? What did you know about it? And how did you approach it in terms of expectations? Uh, I really didn't have expectations at all. I, I, I didn't know really anything about this novel. Nice. Um I mean, I got the year, the release of the novel way off. Right. <laughs> so um, I thought it was more recent than it was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I really didn't have any expectations, and I didn't really, I didn't even really know much about it. So 
Um, I ended up really, really liking it though. Nice. Um, I just think the you know, as always, the character work was great, mm-hmm. and and I feel like it it starts out one way, and it it has it's almost it's it's like it's like very wholesome. Um, and, and it, it just morphs into this completely other thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's, it's really dark, but it's, it has moments of hope throughout it. And, uh, it's, it's, it really just, it really just comes down to this evolutionary relationship between the two main characters that, Mm. that really drives, drives the narrative and, and, and drives the plot. And just takes it to a really, really wild place. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I wasn't, I just didn't have, I mean, having no expectations, obviously, um, I didn't know where it was going to go, but I just, I didn't know I was going to like it this much, <laughs> you know, and I, I just hadn't really heard anything about it. So I wasn't sure if it was going to be a, a really compelling book or not, or, you know, a, a favorite. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know, but yeah, I ended up just really, really liking it. Nice. You know, I, it's interesting because I kind of had a, a similar and not so similar experience with it. Um, I kind of read it on a whim, or I listened to the audiobook earlier this year, like in, I don't know, January or February, because I had a long drive. It was February. And I had a long drive, and uh, I listened to it, and I, I enjoyed it fine enough. My expectations going into it is that I knew it had something to do with religion and uh, re- like tent, big big ass tent revivals and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I, uh, yeah, I I don't know. I I didn't have much knowledge going into it, but I did know that a lot of people loved it. So I kind of had that kind of going going for it in my first listen of it, um, and. I was just kind of like fine. Like this is this is this is an, a very solid Stephen King novel mm-hmm. um, on that first viewing um, or first listen, I should say. Um, and then I listened to it again in preparation for this episode, um, and I actually liked it quite a bit more. It kind of clicked together a little bit better for me. Something that I really appreciate and and just really really liked about it was that it has this this lifespan throughout it like it it spans such a significant amount amount of time yeah um it's like it's the story that is is laid out by king in this in this book takes decades and it's like it's just really um really really uh impressive the way that it's just spans that amount of time and does a uh um keeps our attention and everything right yeah and what was interesting is that back in like February or whatever, um, when I first listened to it, I, I, I had um, reviewed it, like it had a little blurb on Goodreads when I finished it. And so I'm just going to read it. Um, my review on Goodreads was, what an interesting confluence of events that led me to watch Frankenstein from 1931 and Color Out of Space from this year, 2020, hmm. while I was reading Revival. <laughs> uh, King was clearly inspired by Mary Shelley and H.P. Lovecraft here and ended up u- uh, making a unique meld of the two, along with imparting his own ruminations on aging, grief, and loss slash dark faith. Um, at times, it's kind of a mesh of ground he has previously covered in the likes of Pet Cemetery, but it still packs quite a strong punch. Um, so yeah, so that's that's what I uh, thought of it uh, on my first listen of it. Okay. And 
yeah, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Nice. So, should we go into specifics? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, still in non-spoilers, um, what parts of the story uh, spoke to you? Like, how did you feel about uh, Jamie's whole arc throughout through the book? Yeah, so I, I think what really drew me in was the, uh, I guess, the the wholesomeness and the relatability of um, Jamie and Pastor Jacobs. Mm-hmm. Like, just right off the bat, they get along so well. And like, I feel like I was reading it with the in, intention or the, the thought that like something's going to go all horribly wrong Yeah, between the two of them. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> right. But, but like, I didn't, I didn't predict what was going to happen or right. anything, but like, I just, I had the feeling that like, this is too good for, for two Stephen King characters. Like this is too, too wholesome, yeah. too enjoyable, uh, too much joy between in this relationship. Something's gonna throw a wrench in it. Wrench in it, um, and I think that added to the tragedy because it's so wholesome and relatable and enjoyable and just sweet. And then um, the the way that it fractures over the decades mm-hmm. and just gets worse and worse every time they interact with each other is just more and more heartbreaking every time. And, Absolutely. And just the, the, the effect of the tragedy on Pastor Jacobs, it's so... It takes a long time to get there till you see like the full impact of how that mm-hmm. just ruined his life and ruined him as a person. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's... By the end, it's just like... It's really horrific what... Mm-hmm how how much it ruined him as a person. Absolutely. And what I love about it is that it's from the perspective of Jamie. And yeah. not only is it from the perspective of Jamie, it's from the perspective of Jamie at different phases of his life. Right. Um, and so we we don't get a a seat into or a view into Pastor Jacob's transformation except for just bits and pieces here and there. And we get like little breadcrumbs of his plan and his intentions and everything. But that's something that is something that King is, I feel like in, in past books hasn't done quite, it isn't his strength, like laying these breadcrumbs and see, seeing where they lead. That's not necessarily his strength. And maybe it's because, um, he's, he's dipped into the kind of crime novel, uh, genre, recently but some for some reason it just worked really well here yeah um and i think it's mostly just because he's telling that intimate story of pastor jacobs through the lens of someone who is broken and and is um is someone who is struggling daily with like his substance abuses and everything right and just how his life turned out in in jamie in turn uh referring to jamie so i just, i don't know i just think it's a really interesting um, book for King, <laughs> um, and I liked it too. Yeah, I think it's it's um, it's interesting because we don't really get. It's almost like like a James Bond villain type thing, where like we don't really get the full scope of his plan until mm-hmm. the end of like the climax of the novel, right? Um, and I really didn't um, I didn't have a full clue of like how far it was going to go mm-hmm. or like where it was going to go. You know, I think it's pretty safe to assume that most of the readers were under the assumption that he was, his ultimate plan involved something with the tragedy of losing his wife and son. Yeah. Right. But 
the 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 depth that it went to was so extreme and just so disturbing. Mm. I I didn't know it was going to go that far, and that's what yeah. that's what made it unique, and that's what set it apart for me. Mm-hmm. Is that it was just so the the depth of his corruption, I guess. Yeah, and, and like what he was willing to do to get there because of this horrible tragedy early in his life. Right. It's. It's just really good storytelling. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, and as far as like, it's just, it kind of seems like a a mesh of so many different King-isms and, and things that King does well. Like, this feels like part, part of it feels like um, Pet Cemetery, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's infused with this like, just visceral like horror at the end we'll we'll talk about that in spoilers but it was so drastic like that ending is so extreme to me that honestly that first time that i listened to the audiobook i was kind of like i was kind of it almost had an adverse effect with me because it kind of felt like it was just too much too fast and it just felt like it was just over uh um, overwhelming to me, and like, like going back and listening to it again, knowing the context of what was what what it was leading to, made me enjoy the ending a lot more the second time. Not that I thought it was bad the first time; it just didn't hook me as well the se- as the second time did. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of loss. <laughs> there is, yeah, in this, uh, which we can skate around a little bit, but, um, the. Uh, the use of miracles and the way that the family in particular, Jamie's family kind of renounces some miracles to an extent. Like I'm talking about his brother's kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that was interesting. I don't really have a thread to go there. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, it's sort of interesting. I think, I think what that, what that moment or that, um, conflict really, set up was um jamie's kind of fracture from his family i guess oh yeah because like most of them most of the members of his family sort of separated from their faith i think yeah at that around that time um and then he he stuck with it a little bit or he was so into it that it was harder for him to let it go i think yeah um and they you know they just disagreed so heavily on such a impactful these different these uh, separate impactful things yeah yeah i i think it 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 just it sort of exemplified jamie's isolationism Mm -hmm. and how he's he's a very isolated character throughout the whole book really yeah and part of that's just his like substance abuse problems right as well kind of distancing himself from himself to an extent right it's, it's like this dual kind of isolation that he has both from his family and from himself Mm -hmm. and then throughout the book we get like we learn about the just tragedies and just general loss that his family endures uh throughout it um and like it's something that king does particularly well um in that he he does this thing that he kind of goes back to from time to time in his writing but uh where jamie is is He's he's mourning the loss of, of a sibling. I'll say that. I'll be vague. Um, but the way that the sibling died is something that haunts him and that he, like, wants to correct. Right. And so there are moments where he's thinking about it and he's like, if, if he could have just stopped it or if this this 
things went differently. So, like, that's something that King kind of explores in his writing quite a bit, this this kind of idea of not necessarily full-on reversing something, but just regret and and, like, not being there to stop something from happening where like the, um, the pain of knowing that if you were instrumental in a situation that you could have possibly prevented something like that's something that kind of recurs throughout a lot of his writing and in the dark tower series, obviously. Right. Um, so I don't know. I just thought I, I liked it here. So did that, uh, how'd you feel about it? Yeah, I agree. Um, like again, I think it's just, it drives home the point of isolationism. He's so, I don't know. He just, he, I feel like, throughout the entire novel, he never really gets close to anybody. Right. Um, I mean, even like he's, you know, by the time he's in his fifties, he's single still. Mm. Uh, and he kind of has this, like these flingy relationships and he doesn't even own a home. Like he's pretty, uh, professionally successful. Yeah. Not like he's like a rich guy, but I'm saying right. like he's successful and, but he's just like, he doesn't even own a home or anything. Yeah. And he, he just, a nomadic kind of life. Right. He's not a very yeah. commitment heavy person. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it it just it it influenced his character or drove that character really well. I agree. And that was in terms of like the relationships that he has, like the kind of flingy relationships that he has, that's one part of the book where I kind of it disconnected from me. Like I I wasn't that invested in like his I'm going to have trouble recalling it at this point, but his like kind of casual relationship with the um um the recording studio like her daughter. Her. Yeah. Her. Yeah. Um, it just felt like that just felt like uh, kind of an afterthought in the plot. Like it didn't really have that much bearing in the uh, in in the plot or in his story specifically. She was a bit of a deus ex machina. Yeah. For him to kind of research stuff. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah it didn't really didn't do a lot for him. Right. It made him look cool that he was some 50 year old guy hooking up with some young right young black girl yeah <laughs> it's it, yeah it was it just it didn't connect with me not that i i don't know that king was really going for that but yeah yeah or maybe because i mean he kind of did the same thing with mr mercedes yeah um, yeah i don't know that's inter- that's he uh, did didn't he yeah yeah but i mean he has a lot of a lot of his main characters will hook up with good looking chicks i mean yeah like one of his um, early like salem's lot um <laughs> yeah the main character hooks up with a, a fan a young a youngish fan in in the town um right and that always <laughs> ever since um i think it was the castle rock tv podcast that uh um really good podcast that kind of uh went away uh after a few episodes but uh they reviewed salem's lot <laughs> and they ta- i think it was them they talked about how just how much like stephen king it was that the main character just falls in love with this woman that just adores him as a like as a huge like fan of his writing <laughs> um because like it's like he's a rock star <laughs> yeah um which is interesting cuz i mean he's like now it's kind of an actual rock star in, in revival to an extent. Um, right. Right. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I was getting, going with that, but a bit of a recurring theme, I guess. Yeah, I'll say so. Um, yeah. so how about Jacobs? Um, his arc as mysterious as it was, um, I just, I really, I, in a weird way, I was captivated by him. Um, which I think was the intention and it, it yeah. worked well given his, his storyline and everything. So in non-spoilers, how'd you feel about, uh, Reverend Jacobs? 
Well, I think, um, again, he starts out early in the novel with such a, I just keep coming back to the word wholesome. Um, he has like an idyllic life really. Um, you know, he's a really passionate guy. Um, and you just instantly like him and stuff like that. Um, and then just what's, what's most fascinating about him is that I, I think it's, after after the tragedy he really what king king wrote him really well because and like you said like through through the lens of Jamie i think that was such a great idea because he feels like he's basically anytime he interacts with Jamie or anybody it's it's like he's faking his way through it yeah because he's just so consumed by that tragedy and correcting it or or or, or finding a way to overcome it Right. That like nothing else really deserves his attention, mm-hmm. um, and and I just feel like when he's having conversations with with Jamie specifically, but even anyone, he's just very detached and kind of putting on a facade because really his thoughts and his emotions and his efforts are focused on correcting this great tragedy in his life, yeah. and it's 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 it makes him incredibly selfish. Yeah, uh, which we find out at the at the end of the novel, um, the repercussions of his actions throughout throughout the novel um, are have massive implications. Um, you could, I think, you could even go so far as to say it was a little evil. Yeah, what he was doing. I, I mean, I guess maybe that's a stretch, but um, just just the, he acts with total reckless abandon. You know, just mm-hmm. just with with disregard for everyone else. Um. But he does so. He does so behind the curtain, I guess is is a way to say it. he's not like some blatantly villainous evil guy. Yeah. But the repercussions of his actions have huge implications. Yeah, he's he's the hero of his story, right? <laughs> um, and I, I think it's written really well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Do you want to go into spoilers? Or yeah, I was, I was kind of dancing around that because okay. of spoilers. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we are going to go into spoilers for. Uh, revival, but first, tiny. Uh, did we do this before spoilers? Or after? Uh, did this break into your top nineteen? Um, I don't know. I didn't. I should have looked at that before I got here. Oh yeah. Um, I forgot about that. Um, maybe I'd have to look at my notes. Okay. Hmm. Let me see here. Yeah, I'm not sure if I could. Uh, bump anything from my top 19 oh interesting yeah i'm not sure if i'm prepared to do that for this Hmm. for this novel but you know king has written 60 novels yeah this is in the top half for sure i mean it's it's a top 30 for sure Mm -hmm. um nice yeah i it's good i dug it sweet um i uh so when i first listened to it i put it at number 18 and I actually, when I listened to it the second time, I bumped it up to number 17. Sweet. Yep. Did you bump anything out of your list for it? I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me actually check. I, sh- I should be able to find that pretty quickly. Okay. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't remember if I bumped anything from it. Gotcha. Um, okay, that was me stalling. <laughs> check. Uh, I think Gerald's Game. Okay. 
Uh, must have gotten bumped. So yeah. Gotcha. Cool. So we're going to go into spoilers for Revival. So if you haven't read it, uh, come back and listen to us later. Or uh, yeah, I don't know. So <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to go into spoilers for Revival. Here's a little bit of music to break up the part of the episode. And when we come back, spoilers for Revival. The good book warns us to beware of false prophets with all their signs and wonders. But even if you believe God can heal like lightning, in the end, not even your faith can save you. Revival. New from Stephen King. Well, to kind of drive or finish my thought or drive home the point I was making before spoilers, I think... I don't think you can fully make the statement or the claim that Jacobs is evil because I don't think he fully understood what he was doing to people and the possible repercussions that could happen as a result of it. Because, you know, after, after everything, after he passes away and his Mm. experiment is successful, so many people either die mm-hmm. or go crazy or something horrible most of them right. died right if uh, i remember yeah i think so yeah they ended up dying yeah. um and you know we're talking about hundreds maybe even thousands of people right. that he's touched over the years mm-hmm. um and i don't think he such a legacy i know right <laughs> <laughs> i don't think he was doing those things with the knowledge that it was going to kill all those people i agree and this is a really interesting kind of path to go down because i agree with the premise of your idea (laughs) okay yeah i agree with that in theory but i would say that there's a certain type of evil that goes into this man literally playing god and messing with something he does not understand and using human subjects to increase his knowledge of of the actions that he's doing so i think that there is an evil inherent with that but i don't think it's I don't think he was acting in a maliciously evil way. Right. It was a more <laughs> negative Pass- <way>. passive evil. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think that it was all ne- negligence is a good neg- word. Yeah. To you, yeah. Yeah. Negligible. I think that word. the way that he conducted himself, was <laughs> not so striking. Nice. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, maybe if he did the electric slide a couple times. Oh my god. Um, I, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I also yeah. kind of uh, related to the the novel in a way because I am an electrician. Oh yeah, in a, in a way, I'm a low, mm. I'm a I'm a wannabe electrician. Nice, <laughs> I'm a low voltage guy only. But uh, but yeah, so that that I found that stuff interesting. Just it's technic- the, technically, it's not the size of the the size of the voltage. It's the motion of the current. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, it's the amps that'll kill you. There we go. <laughs> um, Jesus. Uh, yeah, and I related to it because I am a washed-up rock star? No. <laughs> um, I don't know. I used to play with toy soldiers as a kid. I never <laughs> even did that, even. Oh, really? Yeah, I played, um, one of my memories of, like, being a kid was when it snowed really heavily. Um, this must have been in 1993. You'll know why here in a second. <laughs> when it snowed, you know, like, when they plow and they, and they shovel and everything, they have mounds of snow that are kind of off yeah. to the side. So in our apartment complex, in this, I had this image in my head when listening to the audiobook and, and Jamie's first encounter with with uh, with um, Jacobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like 
as a kid, I distinctly remember uh, playing with those big mounds of snow and like carving out tunnels in them. Oh yeah, and putting <laughs> putting above it like like scratching into the snow a sign that said Jurassic Park. <laughs> so nice. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So that resonated with me. That's funny. Um, but something else that kind of resonated with me in a big way was the death, like Jamie's de- Jamie's uh, depiction or his his recounting of. Um, the family, like the death of the family, essentially, mm-hmm. like his mother and sister in particular. Yeah. So his mother in particular kind of hit me in a very interesting way. And I don't, because it's been months. So in January or February, I think it was January that I started listening to it, but I had a long drive. And on the way to my destination, I think, I stopped at a place to get snacks and stuff and gas up and everything. And I'm listening to it. And this place that I stopped at was Marion, Indiana, which is where my dad is interred. Right. And at the, at a cemetery there. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm leaving Marion, going to my destination, I listen to the part, I'm at the part in the book where Jamie is recounting the experience of saying goodbye to his mother and the description and just the the pain and the mournfulness of it mm-hmm. was like it took me right back to when my dad passed away yeah it was like it was like it was so exact like cuz he describes it as like being in the room with her and like listening to her like last breath and everything and like i mean that i was there like i that's it was it lined up so much with my experience and i just felt like i was like I felt really weird. Like, it was yeah. a really weird thing. I bet. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway. Um, <laughs> this is a weird segue. So, how did you feel about, like, the, the depictions of death and mourning and stuff, Tiny? Do you have any uh, cool stories? God. <laughs> uh, well, I... I, like again, it's it's just the transition is so interesting because I was so hooked in in the, in the beginning mm-hmm. because of the... The, the two wholesome characters and their their cute little relationship and stuff like that, yeah. and it just gets so so dark from there. Yeah, like there's like there's like no the happiness. Accident. Yeah, yeah. The accident and then like I, there's just like no happiness after no. after that. So bleak after that moment. Um, so many characters die. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I you know he does obviously like there's stuff where he like he falls in love for the first time and right that's very sweet and nice mm-hmm. and all that and he um he discovers a love for music and yeah. plays in rock bands and uh, you know later in the novel he reunites with some of his his brothers and stuff mm-hmm. like that and that's that's all great and and wholesome but i feel like there's just this shadow of negativity yeah over his life that ultimately takes over everything and, yeah. and and drives him and and it's 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 really sad and it's like again you sort of like I, I i talked about pastor jacobs kind of faking his way through everything i feel like jamie's doing the same thing to an extent yeah like he has this thing in the back of his mind that's just he can't get away from mm-hmm. and he can't entirely get away from ever right and and i feel like that that that's made him an isolated um, distant person to to anyone of substance yeah. in his life. Wow! Yeah, so that's it's a good point. it's just tragic for for mm-hmm. both of them for for kind of the same reason. They're both driven yeah. by this one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but but again, I think uh, 
Jacobs is completely consumed by it and he won't he doesn't care what he has to do to realize his goal to correct that yeah whereas Jamie is just he's he's different in that he he wants to get away from it I mm-hmm. feel like but he just can't yeah it's it's interesting cuz they are they are just two sides of the same coin and that they're experienced they've experienced heavy loss and everything. Right. And it's like to kind of piggyback off of your point, it's like Jacob's his his take on it, his his attitude toward it is that he has to fix it. It has to be in his power to correct the pain that is in his life and everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jamie is just drowning in it instead of yeah. like that. And I think that 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 combination is why they work so well together later in it in terms of being almost adversarial until they are very adversarial. Right. Um, it just feels like it's, it's interesting because we are seeing it through Jamie's perspective, of course. And then by the end of it, it's like we, we have been with Jamie this whole time as he has half unbeknownst to him and half, be known to him <laughs> um, been just spun into this web like he has been caught in this web and he's just like he doesn't know it but he in I'm referring to Jacobs's web um, that he is just he's orchestrated things so that Jamie would be uh, his like vessel to enact his plans right um, it's very calculated and everything and it's just it's a really interesting way for the story to progress um, but I do want to talk about the tragedy early in the book with Jacobs's wife and uh, son. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, um, driving through Indiana and listening to that, uh, the just the the accident of that it was just horrific. Um, yeah, just that was that was horrifying. Like just the actual like description and everything and the tragedy of it, the event and everything. But what I found so much, an added piece of just compelling storytelling and tragedy and the emotional horror that I love out of a Stephen King novel was Jamie's mother having to deliver the news. Yeah. Just that was just Mm -hmm. gut-wrenching. And like the the description of his scream. Yes. Like I could just, I could picture it or Mm -hmm. audibly picture it if that makes sense. Right. You know, Um, yeah, that's. Yeah. That was very descriptive writing. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, God. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, do you want to kind of jump ahead and, and talk about the big finale? Yeah, sure. Okay. Sure. So as I said, we've got, we've been with Jamie as he's been kind of caught in this web and everything. And then we get just this incredibly vivid description of this Lovecraftian ending Yeah, where the like portal to the afterlife has been opened. Mm-hmm. And holy crap! Yeah, just I have in my head such a vivid picture, mm-hmm. and it is horrifying. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about this ending to this particular King novel? Well, you know Stephen King's always hit or miss. You never know if he's gonna if he's gonna like really knock one out of the park at the mm-hmm. end and and deliver. And uh, this is one of the times when he did because. Yeah. This like this this part of this book is going to stick with me for a long time. Yeah, um, 
uh, like you used, you said it was very Lovecraftian, and mm-hmm. it also made me think of like Clive Barker, his whole. Yeah. Um, uh, gosh, I can't think of the uh, series, um, Hellraiser series, yeah. basically. Um, yeah, that that whole uh, afterlife, uh, basically a whole other universe that yeah. exists just in darkness and in in in, in pain and. I uh, just I, I can't even you can't even really describe it really it's it's just one of those just abject horror type things uh, it made me think of that um, pretty vividly but but yeah like just it's so it's 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 just horrific the the descriptions of everything and 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 the way the characters react to it and uh, you know Jamie was already a pretty pretty tragic and somewhat solemn character. And and this realization, it's like I don't know how he doesn't just like kill himself, or like I don't know how he goes on and how how he can be happy anymore. Um, especially when he, I think um, his like he has this really charming moment where he reunites with his family and his mm-hmm. his basically infant niece yeah. latches onto him and mm-hmm. like falls in love with him and it's it really adorable and sweet and then after he has this experience she doesn't want to be anywhere near him right um and it's just like every every ounce of happiness is just stolen from him because mm-hmm. of witnessing this this other yeah. dimension if you will i don't even know what you call it yeah do you <laughs> Do you think it's the afterlife? Like, I, I guess. Is, I don't know. Like is King going that dark to say that this is what we're this is what everyone's coming to at in this in this world in what's in store for all of us? Yeah. Right. I don't know if he's going that far, but yeah. I I mean that's in in the universe of revival. Right. That's what happens. And yeah. and yeah, man, it's just awful. And can I ask you a loaded question. Okay. Maybe not loaded question. I don't know. But how, like, how excited are you to see, like, to potentially see Mike Flanagan <laughs> adapt this? I know. As I was reading that, yeah, I was like, man, I bet, I bet Flan, not just Stephen King, but Flanagan's going to knock this out of the park, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. It's going to be great. I, just on a visual, like, oh my god! Visually, yeah, it's, it's going to be wild to see yeah, what he pulls it's, off. It's going to be really, really interesting. Do right. you have any uh, actors in mind? Um, this is super random. Um, okay. Not in mind, but like the person I was picturing. Um, I got to look up the actor's name. Okay. Um, the person I was picturing as Jamie was um uh crap hang on i'm looking it up right now i can't think of his name what is he in um he's pony boy from the outsiders oh ralph macchio or was he no he was johnny um he was in 24 too um as a much older guy um um He's who I pictured as like older Jamie at the end. Oh, see Thomas Howell. See Thomas Howell. Yeah, I have no fucking idea why. That's interesting. As like older Jamie, he just popped into my head for no reason mm-hmm. whatsoever. Um, wow. Yeah, I really can't explain it. Hmm. But then um, for Pastor Jacobs, I really 
pictured um, because by the end of the novel, he's like in his eighties. Yeah, he's very frail, very old and frail. Um, I pictured, <laughs> I pictured Guy Pierce. Oh, because of Prometheus. Prometheus. <laughs> yeah, like okay. I, I just kept picturing Guy Pierce, like interesting as old. Um, uh, Peter Wayland yeah. in, in Prometheus. Wow. Um, yeah. That's weird, because I pictured a xenomorph for... Uh, <laughs> that's dumb. But, I mean, that wouldn't work, because I think Guy Pierce is a little too old to play the young... Yeah, uh, I agree. ...young Jacobs, yeah. Um, but, again, I, I, ja- Jamie does have that everyman quality about him, though, that mm-hmm. Stephen King employs so often with his yeah. main with his main characters mm-hmm. um you know your Stu redmonds and your right. uh, your your other guys <laughs> yeah oh god um wow yeah every main characters yeah yeah um so th- there's uh, there's tons of actors who could play him i think yeah i agree mm-hmm. yeah um yeah any other th- anything else about revival no um not that i can think of. well uh another casting thing was mm-hmm. um she's uh, i can't think of the actress's name again this is bad but i can picture her. <laughs> she's uh, she's been in two other stephen king productions um she was uh sarah gadon yeah the uh, uh from eleven twenty two sixty three. yeah she'd be great as uh jacob's wife i, I think i was just thinking that. yeah i was honestly just thinking that yeah mm-hmm. she's huh. so pretty she is yeah just you know she she's the kind of Woman, I picture like all like all the boys falling in love with and having exactly. crushes on. Like she's that kind of yeah. she's an amazing actress too. I'm not mm. trying to take anything away from creatively, but she's very right. pretty and that's she has that qual that look to her, that quality. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah I totally agree. Um, so yeah, uh, that's our review of Revival. Yes, yes. So I have some notes. Um, a couple of things. Uh, King slash Dark Tower connection. Okay. Um, so we would be remiss if we didn't mention that uh, the band names that Jamie Jamie plays with uh, the I think it's when he's in high school. His band was originally called the Gunslingers. Yeah. And they eventually changed their name to Chrome Roses. <laughs> um, so uh, and then later in the book, Jacobs when he's telling Jamie about his history and how he's gone to all these carnivals and everything. He references Joyland, um, the amusement park. Oh, okay. Joyland. Nice. Um, and then early in the book, when they talk about the race car that um, Jamie's father is restoring or something and whatever, um, they put the number 19 on it. Yep. Um, and then let's see, a couple of other things. Okay. <laughs> so uh, the band that plays at Terry's party is called the Castle Rock All-Stars. <laughs> And Jacobs references he he uses the term an unfound door when telling Jamie about the special electricity. Mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, when Jamie kind of I think it's when he kind of wakes up uh, in uh, no 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 uh, when oh yeah when Jamie kind of wakes up maybe it's after the procedure I think I don't know but mm-hmm. he asks Jamie where he is and I think or he asks Jacobs where he is and I think Jacob says life is a life is a wheel and always comes back around to where it started or I think Jamie actually says that yeah which is kind of like cause a wheel right so, right yeah so that is our review of revival um any parting thoughts tiny can't wait to see how Mike Flanagan adapts it me too and me I was gonna say maybe we can revisit the book 
I don't know. We'll, we'll see. It took yeah. years. So. Right. But anyway, um, yeah, that's our review of Revival. Let us know what you thought. Oh, by the way, uh, people let us know what they thought. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. Well, people did. Um, <laughs> oh, they did? Okay. Yeah, well, sort of. So two months ago, I tweeted... Uh, this is June 9th. I tweeted, Finish re-listening to Revival by Stephen King. Tiny and I are going to talk about it after we finish up our Castle Rock reviews. Feel free to share your thoughts about Revival here. And two people responded. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, so Dermot uh, responded and said, Really liked it. Such an engaging book throughout, and that ending was terrifying. Mm. And then Mo replied and said, I really liked it too. The homage to Mary Shelley and Frankenstein. Clop, clop. Uh, I was expecting something completely different, but I really liked what it turned out to be. And actually, on that note, um, two things. One is that it felt very much like a Frankenstein kind of thing. Um, yeah very gothic horror in that respect as well Mm -hmm. and then also there's a named reference to mary shelley and it's um i think i can't remember the specifics but the woman that kind of at the center of everything was a woman named mary who went on to marry someone with the last name shelley so she became mary shelley Uh, yeah wrote frankenstein not the same like just a homage in the name so i thought that was really cool yeah i never we didn't really talk about like the kind of mad scientist aspect of it didn't which is like one of my favorite uh devices or like character devices ever i love yeah. mad scientist i think it's because he's he's driven by tragedy so it's not mm-hmm. it's not quite as like passion or obsession driven yeah. it's more tragedy and it's 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 mm. yeah it's it's different i guess that, yeah. that kind of overtakes it um i think of like you know like altered states is one of my favorite oh yeah the movie um the william hurt movie mm. um yeah, like I love that movie, and this I feel like the characters are so different that it it qualifies, I guess, but it's not it's not the crux of the character, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I love that aspect of it as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Tower Junkies. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it, and yeah, let us know what you thought of Revival. Um. You can find us anywhere. Podcasts are found, of course. Uh, find out, find our other shows at Obsessive Viewer and Anthology, uh, my solo podcast, Exploring the Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer. And Obsessive Viewer is just a kind of broad movie and TV podcast thing. I do want to announce that I just realized today that we all three of our podcasts are available on Spotify. Um, kind of a nice surprise there. Sweet. So yeah, so if you're on Spotify, you know, check it out there. And uh, also check out obsessiveviewer.com where I have written a bunch of different reviews. I'm currently reviewing the Godzilla um, Showa era uh, Criterion Collection movies. So check that out, obsessiveviewer.com. And I'm also reviewing some movies from Indie, uh, Indie Film Fest here in Indianapolis that is currently going uh, right now. And uh, some new release movies and stuff. So yeah, a lot of stuff to check out. I'll put links to everything in the show notes. And Tiny, any parting thoughts before we sign out? No, sir. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening, and long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. I saw a thing the other day about how they think commercial real estate is just going to plummet. Oh, shit. And it's going to, like, wreck the economy. That doesn't surprise me. Because, like, have you seen... 
sad news too. Uh, comedy sports uh, on Mass Ave, mm. they've left their building. Like they, they really? had to like leave their building. Like they're still a thing. Okay. And they're still going to do that. And eventually they were they are going to find new places. But like they were mm. in that building for like twenty years. Yeah. Um, That's a shame. Yeah, and like that raises questions of like, okay, Mass Ave has always been like a touch point for the arts in Indianapolis. I'm like, if venues and like if venues like keep losing their lease or whatever, like they, they keep leaving or whatever, like what is that for the art community? Right. On Mass Ave, so. Yeah. yeah. Well, what the hell are they going to do with those buildings? I mean, like, uh, yeah. like, like the Chase Tower, like mm. what, I mean, you gonna knock it down? Like, no. <laughs> oh God. The obsessive viewer studios. Oh my God. We could have, Hundreds of shows. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Tower Junkies is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to TowerJunkiesPod.com slash archive. You can also like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash TowerJunkiesPod and follow us on Twitter at TowerJunkiesPod. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is just a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at towerjunkiespod.com slash donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at obsessiveviewer.com, and on Twitter, at obsessiveviewer. You can also find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and OVAnthologyPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. Music for the podcast is provided with permission from Fingers T on YouTube. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. Kitty! She's just waiting for me to move so she can steal my seat. I see. Yeah. I didn't raise a seat beef. <laughs> um. <laughs> I have not said that in your presence yet, have I? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> like when she, because I'll get up and she will like come over and like lay down right here, right here every time. Yeah. And I'll be like pizza, like I'll I'll hold her and be like pizza. Why are you so mean to me? 
<laughs> and then I'll like look at her very sternly and be like, I didn't raise a seat thief. Um, so yeah. Giz does the same thing to me. Does he? Yeah. Oh, a little shit. I guess because like, the seat's just warm, so he's like, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but she's my little baby. Okay, so anyway, uh, later's coming out in March, so that's exciting. Yep. 